this is a lot of people who might be reconnecting with their culture that they might have previously been pushed away from. And, you know, they might already have that sort of anxiety, right? Of like, oh, what if I'm not doing as good? And what if my Bollywood, what if I've not got the rhythm of Bollywood? Because, you know, some people have some feel like they have to choose their queerness over their South Asianness, right? And maybe therefore they've not heard any of the Bollywood songs that I'm teaching. They've not been to any weddings, Indian weddings. They've not got like rhythm and they want to literally learn from scratch because they want to risk connecting with their culture again and seeing if it can align with their identity. Knowing that there could be people like that in the class, I'm not ever going to say like, you're not doing this properly or I expect this from you. I'm never going to say that because it's like just you coming. Like, and that's always the thing to celebrate at the class. Like I'll clap for anyone who's like, just come. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai, a life and culture podcast diving into the mindset and business of being a creative. I'm your host Rai and each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry all while sipping and spilling some hot chai. Why? Because all good things happen around a hot cup of chai. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you are streaming this podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast down below and share it on your stories, on social, and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before. And overall, as I always say, it just shares the love. Also, if you haven't done so already, you can now become a patron, aka a supporter of Chai With Rai, by signing up on Patreon for £5, or as I love saying it in this accent, $5.50. Each month your subscription will help support the show, but also get you exclusive BTS footages, that is behind the scenes footages and some extra juicy bits. I will put the link for the Patreon channel as well as all the other info in the description of this episode, so make sure to check that out. So without further ado, let's warm up our cuppers and let's dive into today's episode. Let me know what you're sipping on. As always, as you listen to this episode, tag me in your story, slide into my DMs. Just let me know. And I'm gonna welcome, it's really hard for me to introduce this person, A, because I know them and they wear so many hats and they're just a wonderful person overall. So they're a choreographer, they're a facilitator, they're a dancer, they're artists, they work in cabaret, they do books about equality, inclusion and diversity. They work in so many different things. And also, if you haven't checked out the BBC documentary, which you can watch on BBC iPlayer, make sure to do so. I will link it in the description of this episode. It is called Bend It Like Bollywood. And you can go to their classes, which is an all-inclusive safe space for queer people, for the LGBTQ plus community and allies. It's called Bolly Queer. I will also put that in the description of this episode so you can check that out wherever it's going. It's international, so it's not just in the UK, it's in India, it's in so many places. It'll be in the US maybe soon as well. So yeah, you can check that out. And let's welcome, without further ado, Vinay Joban Putra. Why are you drinking gone off milk? Do you not have normal milk bubs? No, well, I've got these. No, basically, I don't, I don't buy fresh milk. I just, I'll tell you the tea. I had a gig recently. I knew you were going to say that whenever you get a gig, you'll just take all the milk from there in the little packages. So you don't have to, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I do. And, and I got these tea bags as well. You know what, to be honest, I used to do that back in the day when we would we would have a gig, like even let's say at the Savoy or things like that, and we'll get like those fancy water bottles. I'll just take those or like... Oh, water bottles? I didn't like, know they gave water bottles. Like sometimes they would... Gigs. No, sometimes they would give like alcohol even and I would bring the alcohol back and I would just have bottles of like champagnes and wine and shit like that just sitting around. Oh, so when I used to go to people's birthdays, I would re-gift them. That's so smart. But I thought 
fair game. I think that's I think it's part of the fee. Exactly. And at least feed us. My annoyance is like when we would do like wedding gigs, like at least I don't know. I don't know if I miss the dance life sometimes if I think about it like that. Getting changed in like shitty little toilets or like <laughs> tiny little cloak rooms and then going on to perform whilst they're <laughs> serving food. And then I don't know if I miss that. I miss the extra money. I will say that. But what are you, are you not performing at the moment then still? No, I I'll, I like I've stepped away from that life. Mm. Unless like somebody really specifically asks me or something but yeah I don't do that oh, okay that's interesting I also think like you'll reach a point where I think you will all, like a lot of people have reached that point who I used to dance with that will just like step away and will just be like why are you drinking it don't drink it because I don't think it's gone off I think it's just the way that those milk packets come but there's, there's like little bits of milk floating around in the cup I just really want a milky tea I don't want to have a black tea who the fuck has black tea am I allowed to swear on this yeah, you can. But why can't you just get like a herby tea? You don't have any herbs? I have. I've got a green tea, but that's so boring. I just, you know, when it's like nighttime, you just want a nice milky cup. I'm having a nice, uh, like I'm having like an adrak cha. Oh, what? Like just ginger? Ginger, ginger black peppercorns, agave nectar, and a bit of cinnamon. You know what? You're the kind of person to like fully have made that from scratch. I bet it's not even in a tea bag. It's not. It's in this. Yeah. You give that energy. I get that. <laughs> yeah, it's the millennial. It's the millennial versus Gen Z. <laughs> do that shit, bro. Yeah, I really do think that you should make an OnlyFans account. I think you'll do well. Yeah, I know. Honestly, it's been on my mind. What do you got to regret? What would you regret? Genuinely, out of curiosity, like I don't know. Like my my work coach recently has been like telling me to apply for jobs in the civil service, and I'm like, I don't know if those two go hand in hand, do they? You got to get a coach that knows the ins and outs of you. Because they're just... The ins and outs. Well, yeah, if I if I tell them about my OnlyFans idea... I mean, you say <laughs> that. I, when I was in Universal Credit, like, people used to tell me, why don't you do this on TikTok? Why don't you do that? You're so creative. Like, do shit like that. And I'll be like... Really? That's good, though. That's nice. So I think you can. You just got to find a good coach for yourself. Yeah. No, I mean, the one that I've got right now is, is all right. The one that I used to have as well was... She was a dancer. So she was really on it. And she was, like, proper, like, rooting for me to get all the dance gigs. Yeah, yeah right now... I, I, my work coach will be like, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm literally like, I don't fucking know. So it's kind of hard for them to like find me the right stuff because I'm also like very lost at the moment. <laughs> do you know what you don't want? Because sometimes even that is a starting point. Oh, well, so the thing is, like, I kind of, I hope none of my prospective employers have listened to this, but like, I don't want can a I job. Pause this? Do you want to, do you want to pause this? No, no, let's, let's just, let me just say it. I don't think it's that bad, but I just think that like, I want a job that requires like no initiative at all. Like, I don't want to have to like be creative and come up with solutions to things that much. That's the truth. Cause I'm like, obviously like dancing and I love, obviously I'll never stop that. Right. And I'm going to always enjoy that. Yeah. And like, we have to think a lot of like choreographies and like we're thinking all the time and like making things up and like being really creative and also like talking to loads of people, like talking to clients or, do you know what I mean? So like, I feel like whatever job I'm in, I kind of want it to be like a very monotonous, repetitive someone says do this and then I just do it and I don't have to like think about what to do yeah it does do you not want the arts to be your full-time thing I definitely do I mean yeah. that would be amazing like I, I I'm enjoying that's technically like with with the support of the UC but that's technically what I'm doing at the moment but like it's it's I don't know I think it's just that fear in the back of my head always that's probably like been ingrained in me that sometimes it's not going to be as stable maybe and like I guess that fear like still exists in me a little bit even though I, I wish it didn't I think there's interesting perspectives for you to monetize of certain things and think about it 
if you would want to as business with a lot of the things that you're doing, like the conversations we've had in the past. I'm also interested why you haven't gone to like Bit and Peach. I have. Well, recently I've been doing some some work. Like, well, I did one gig for them for Brighton Pride. Yeah. Um, and then I was also performing alongside them at um, a, a wedding recently. And like, I definitely I love all the Bit and Peach crew. And like, we've spoken a lot. I need to just sort of um reach out and sort of see how I can get more more involved they re- they've always been very like lovely and they've always said like you know like we love your work and we can you know we can do stuff together and you know most of them as well so like it'll be like a slot in as opposed to I don't know going through their stuff that they make people go through sometimes yeah definitely I feel like sometimes you just have to message and like just ask and be like can I do you have any work for me or is there anything that I can do I can just message them and just be because like they have really stepped into like knowing a lot of the artists that they have now and Mm. the the collective that they hold it's no longer just about like cabaret and drag it's about like supporting and doing things that are outside of that so I know like they've gotten people film gigs tv gigs commercial gigs oh wow oh my god um, to like I don't know so many other things so I think there's definitely scope for if you're in that space talking about In five seconds, what are three things you do before going to sleep? Uh, scroll in Instagram, brush my teeth, make tea. Well done. All right. You performed at Just Bollywood 2019 as part of KCL's Dance Society. I watched the video. <laughs> and two of my highlights in that performance are not only obviously knowing you that you were in it. I also think that was the year that I went to scout some people. Oh, so was that I, didn't, the, I didn't do that well then, did I? Was that the year that they had the Indian team come through? Or was that the year it before? Was, it was the year of the first year that they introduced like the head-to-head competitions between uni. So like me, I think Kings and Imperial got like Mamma Mia and we were like head-to-head competing, but also competing in the whole competition. It was something I like think, that. I think I might have gone then in 2017 because that, that was the year that I remember the team from India came and B-Funk were there judging. Oh yeah, it wasn't, B-Funk wasn't there. Okay, well anyway, back to the question. You performed at Just Bollywood 2019 as part of KCL's Dance Society. One of my favourite bits in the freaking, and I find this as a pet peeve whenever I find like university performances is there's a breakdown that happens. The boy's side is on one side, the girl's side is on one side, and there's a girl who accidentally forgets a spot and is like here. <laughs> and though the boys are performing, she's shuffling as the boys are performing, thinking she's sly onto this side. I'll show that clip after. It's one of my favorite bits. But however, the entire piece follows this storyline of the fact that the girl is getting married and she wants to find her dad, if I'm mm-hmm. correct in saying yes. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene in it where the boy where they're at the club okay and you perform to a remix of Ramta Jogi so my question to you is this three things that stand out in your head when you have let's say become under the influence and have lost like all inhibitions and have been either in a club environment in a house party environment anything what are three moments that stand out for you and can you please tell them so I, I realised, like, I think for me, one of the things that makes me realise that I'm a bit drunk after I've had a drink, whenever I, like, go to the bathroom, or, like, if I'm in the club, or if I'm, like, at your house party and I'm in the bathroom, I have, like, really intense moments in the mirror. So, like, I'll see myself in the mirror, and I'll, like, start seeing myself as a whole other individual, and then I'll, like, pull a face at myself to see if it reacts, and then I'm like, shit, yeah, I'm definitely pissed. That That's, like, the moment that I know that I'm drunk. And it happens um, every time. But like you're like flirting with yourself or it's like no, an out-of-body experience? I'm not, I'm not flirting with myself. It's just intense because I'm having this like out-of-body experience where I'm like, 
who is that looking at me? I feel this weird sense of like, I feel, I feel this weird thrill of like, whatever I do now, like the, whatever I do now controls what that thing in the mirror does because that's me. I get, it gets really existential. And then that's the moment where I know that I'm drunk. Okay, great. And is there any memory that stands out for you, like getting white girl wasted or like something that was really important um, or something like that? Give me two really juicy memories. I think all of first year uni is why I got a tutu in the end. But anyway, I was I was I drunk. got a tutu. Tutu is fine. <laughs> I scraped my tutu. I got a 51, love. Yeah, no, I I was I was just smashed throughout all of it. I remember one night, I wasn't like white girl wasted, but I was pretty drunk and my friend was trying to give me water. And I, there's a video of me just like getting the water and just like, fully missing my mouth and like pulling it over my right shoulder and then another memory my friend literally sent me this video the other day I could send it to you because it came up on her snapchat memories but it was um we were really it was really hard like as a student like I was trying to save so much money and I was trying to save so hard and I remember like most meals after a night out I'd get like a tortilla wrap spread like tomato puree on it and like just chop up for like olives and I'd be like, this is my pizza. But it was like the shittest version of pizza ever. Because it was literally just like a wrap with puree and olives. But I, yeah. so there's a video of me just like eating the olives. I'll send it to you. I think that firstly, can I just take away from that? That that is actually small. When I came out of university, I was actually in debt. Like most people, because mm. I ended up spending all of my money, if not more. And I was working on the side. So I ended up having to take like a full-time job in mm. retail when I came out. I think that's actually quite smart that you wanted to save your money so that when you come out of uni, you have some money. Yeah, I know, definitely. Because, cause like, I... Obviously, I'm from Leicester. Family yeah. from Leicester. And I actually... My first choice for uni was Warwick. So I was thinking, like, I'll probably just go to Coventry, not too far from Leicester. Financially, I'll be fine. Kings was my insurance choice. In myself, when I thought I'd be getting into maths at Warwick, because their requirements were, like, three A stars and an A. That didn't work out. So then all of a sudden, with a month to go to uni, I'm like, shit, I'm moving to London. Like, I'm moving to London. That was never part of the plan. I honestly, I don't know why, but I was a bit, like, delusional. I thought I'd get the grades for Warwick. So then I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to survive in London. I kind of realised once I was in London that I want to stay in London after I graduate. And then that meant I had to start saving the pennies <laughs> in first year of uni. Did you do any full-time or, like, side hustle work whilst you were studying or nothing? I did an internship in second year of uni. And that that was quite good. That was through my uni for a charity called Opening Doors, but it was like okay. a research internship. All right, your second question is, you're from Leicester. Indiana. And now you're part of a famous alumni of people from Leicester. Because <laughs> there's lots of famous people apparently from Leicester, especially brown people. True. So, South Asians. Exactly. So in five seconds, name three well-known people who originate from Leicester. Go. David Attenborough. Give me, give me extension, 30 second extension. Oh. Famous people from Leicester, no. Oh, Gary Lineker? Yes, yes, well done. I'm just thinking footballers now. Well, there's there's somebody who is if I don't know if you've ever made this connection. But somebody who was in related to the title of your documentary, who originates. Oh, the person who what is it? The person who made um Bend It Like Beckham. Not Gorinda, but you know the girl, Perminder, Perminder Nag. Yes. 
That was she's, on the tip of my head. Did you ever make this connection? Because when you you could just be like, I could have capitalized off this. You were like, oh. No, I didn't know that. No. Like Beckham. I'm kind of sad that David Attenborough came to my mind before her. <laughs> well, you know what? And yeah. Gary Lineker. I don't, I don't I know nothing about fucking Gary Lineker. <laughs> Other than that he's the face of Walkers. That's it. That's literally how the only reason I know who that is. Fair enough. All right, your next question. Invented like Bollywood. When doing your makeup, it's often referred to as, I checked it out and twice, twice in the documentary, it's referred to as soft boy glam. And when performing for your first time at a gig in Manchester, you're doing a performance to Chikni Chameli, describing it as an item, I'm paraphrasing this, by the way, as an item girl song. And then when you talk about like Bolly Queer and things like that, you talk about like how certain moves are masculine, certain things are feminine. Mm. But you were really chuffed about the fact that you did Chikni Chameli in a blouse and everything. So yeah. taking out everything, we're now at a place where, you know what, the binary line and all of those things are fucked up. It's a level playing field. We're producing, I'm producing a big budget film, like a big budget Bollywood film. Okay, I'm hiring you as my item girl. Okay, you're my item girl. And I come to you, I say, Vinay, I really want you to do three item songs in this film and mm. you get to pick out of all of the bollywood songs that are out there three remakes i want you to do this so what three remixes would you do okay so one one song that i've always wanted to do is fevicol fevicol yeah i think it's yeah. so sexy i'd love to do that okay. one yeah i feel like if i had the skills for it i'd love to do like dilber vibes Okay, the but old like, Sushmita Sen Dilber vibes or new rough vibes? The new, the new Dilber, I feel, because I feel, but I'd want to like know how to like do all the stuff that I want to do. You okay, know what I mean? Got it. Um, we'll work on this. I'm producing this. I'll don't you worry. You just give me the song. Okay, I'll make it happen. One. for you. And then Saki Saki, but the old one, because you know it? the bit that's like yeah that bit and that's not in the new version i don't think i don't remember the new version as much yeah i don't think it's but that's my favorite bit of that song but like i think that bit would be really fun all right okay let's make this happen we're putting this in (laughs) item girl vinny all right your last question is is water apocalypse i love asking this question of my friends i have been watching resident evil and i really think this questions people's skill sets so imagine the world is coming to an end water is like taking over the world is water apocalypse okay we have to survive we have to survive what current three skill sets do you possess to save yourself and humanity in this water apocalypse go can do item girl dancing to keep keep everyone positive and keep spirits high i can give everyone a show number one great as they're dying (laughs) this is such a peak question it's really highlighting my incompetence Come on, what skill um, sets do you possess? You're good at maths. I can swim. Like, I'm great. great, yes, you can swim. You can save yourself. <laughs> I can do, like, menu designs for those who survive as an incentive to stay alive. Oh, great. <laughs> I have no useful skills in this situation. You've actually really scared me now because if this happens, I'm you're just going to be doing a, doing a mandala. You're doing Mendy as people are dying. As people are doing so many other things, you're gone. <laughs> you can't make shark and rotli. No, in have you seen my kitchen? I you can make rotli and shark on that. Who set the fire alarm off? No, you the room is so small, honestly. Then I used to have that when I used to live at uni. I used to make stuff in that. Just let me be lazy. <laughs> Challenging me. But you can, you know you can, right? 
it's just not it's also do you not think that for one person like getting the ada and making rotli making three rotlis for myself like that's okay. so not worth Rice, it right then i by the way i ate rotli for the first time in like three months yesterday and i am so gassy i don't know like <laughs> i'm so effing gassy it is so bad really what's in rotli that makes you gassy i think it's the wheat i think it's the ada itself like cuz i i think i'm gluten intolerant in certain things you so, shouldn't have to get that <laughs> i should but like yeah you could have rice Yeah, I do have rice, yeah. But then it's the it's the shack like I'm not that I can do it. It's just never that great. You don't know how to make you, like it's the can I say guju food is the simplest food in the entire world. <laughs> it it requires like five like you do a vaghar and then mm. you just add like any veg into it and then just add dhana jiru and it's I know I know on paper it's simple but like i'll spend like 48 minutes chopping an onion and then like 10 minutes doing the little garlic and then like by the end of it i'm like not even hungry and then you spend like an hour and a half cooking and then you eat it in 5 minutes and it's like what was the point of all of that Do you know what i mean no i don't my, my tiffin service i actually think is roughly the same as prices if i cooked you know what whatever makes you happy but i just thought you were one of those that you could actually cook Well, I can I can do like hash browns and stuff like that, like and like sausages and mash and all that. No <laughs> South Asian food. No, not at the moment. Like I'm learning. I'll get yeah. there. When I've got, I'm gonna just blame it on the size of my kitchen. When I've got a decent kitchen, like you know, when I can like dance around the kitchen and like pop Alexa on and have a glass of wine whilst I'm cooking, like that's the next phase of my life. I'm not there yet. I still feel like you can do that, but you know what? <laughs> you, you do you is what I'm saying. You do. you should we get into deep meaningful conversation okay, okay yeah sorry yeah bully queer let's talk about it how did you come up with the name what do you feel like is the biggest lesson you have learned about the business of running classes from your first class to now and then your third question is what do you feel like you've learned about yourself throughout this entire journey because you really ask the questions that other people don't ask in it i feel like the name Obviously it's a thing right like a lot of classes have bolly in them and i think that makes sense because it sort of like says what it is on the tin and it like explains what it's about uh and i think i really wanted the name to not be like subtle about the fact that it's for queer people because mm. i think like a lot of spaces are we welcome queer people and we celebrate queer people but like that's not the main focus right but i wanted this to be like this is for queer people and we welcome allies like it's the it's switched you get what i mean like allies yeah. are welcome to our space but the queer people are at the center of this so i knew that i wanted either lgbt or queer to be in the title sure. and i just said, i don't think bolly lgbt has got the same ring to it as bolly queer you know what i mean bolly the digibata yeah it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as nicely and then i said bolly queer like to my friends and like i think we all kind of just like oh my god that sounds amazing like let's let's go for that my friends helped me with it a lot where was the first class was it a class house it was yeah the first class was at the common press um glass house and that was 2 years ago 2 years ago and how many people were at that class like how did you go on about like marketing that and getting people so at the first class there were six people and i think like three of them were like my best friends <laughs> so it was like it was hard i think to get the word out there about it originally because there was no like nothing that i had to like i didn't have the means to like do like any big like marketing stuff it was all like word of mouth and instagram and i think obviously what was really nice is like other queer groups were like really nice in terms of like helping me out with sharing it on their pages sharing it with their networks and i think that's how it started to reach people 
But I think it's growth mainly after that was word of mouth, just people telling friends about it. How did so how did it develop from like six people to now like almost every class that you've done like it's sold out? And what do you feel like you've learned about the business of that then? Do you know, I don't know what the what the turning point was. I because it was actually it was selling out before the documentary. Yeah, it just started to happen like that where I kept getting like loads of messages saying like you know like can you add us to the waiting list and like that kind of was a bit. Yeah, it was a bit mad, but I don't know what happened. I think it just like as people started telling people about it, but also I do think after the first one, I I, I started like filming content in the class. Obviously, like I ask everyone at the end of the class, whoever wants to be in a video, and then some people volunteered to be in a video, and then being able to sort of post that and then like show people what the vibe was, I think that really helped because I think people want to know what they're walking into. Mm. Especially something like dance class, it's like quite nerve wracking. Like I don't know about you, but even I'm like so nervous going into any dance class. Like I'm, you know, get gets quite, you can get quite anxious, right? So I think people being able to see one the level of choreography, but two just that like it's all about having fun and it's like you can tell that everyone's kind of happy enjoying themselves. I think that really helped, and I think that's why it maybe got more attention after I was able to get more footage and stop sort of share the vibe of the class. Uh, what have I learned about myself? Uh, yeah, I really should do some more self-reflection. I can't <laughs> avoid that at all costs because I don't know what I'm going to find if I go looking. I think, you know, I've learned, like, I think it's been quite hard for me to, like, admit and, like, come to terms with the fact that I'm, like, good at facilitating spaces and, like, I'm I'm, I'm able to do it. I think that was hard at the beginning. Like, yeah. for the first year, probably, I still feel it a bit now, but, like, especially for the first year, it was the exact same amount of nerves every single time I taught a class. And I was like, to the point where I'd feel like sick with nerves. I'd be like, I'm so scared. I'm so terrified. I've got to stand in front of 30 people and present and talk and do my best to make them feel comfortable. But I think now that it's been long enough, I'm like, I clearly can do that. It's clearly like something that I'm good at because it's worked. So I think sort of like learning that it's like maybe a bit of imposter syndrome, like beating that as well and being like, I know I can facilitate a space. I can facilitate a quiz space um, and I can also teach dance. Where do you think that comes from? Because I'm really interested to know always imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, especially because like now you've done it for two years, Vinay. Like you must like, it's and you've like, it's growing exponentially. You've got a documentary, you've got coverage, you've got a following now. Like you must be able to like chill a little bit. <laughs> I, I definitely have. I think I have chilled a lot more than than the beginning. But I don't know, it's still, like, still to this day, the nerves are still there. I just know that I can ignore them now. Mm. Before, the nerves would consume me, and I'd be ringing people, and I'd be like, please, can you come to today's class, because I need you to be there. Yeah. Um, Whereas I don't feel like I need to do that anymore, right? But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's still just that that fear of, like, what what if today goes differently? What if it's... You know, especially because people are saying, like, you know, it's really wonderful to get feedback. Like, thank you for your class. Like, I, you know, for the first time I felt safe and I felt like it was an inclusive environment so then I think you want to make sure that that stays there right you don't want anyone to ever then come again and then not feel like that so it's like yeah so like I think it's you know I just want to make sure that that's consistent and that that stays if someone comes to the class and they 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 feel like they've had a really good time and then they recommend it to a friend like I want their friend to also come and experience the same vibe of what their friend described to them I I just want to keep that that there and like that consistency and I think yeah maybe I'm I'm always like oh was today a bit different to the other classes like do you think everyone had as much fun as the last class and do you think everyone felt as good as the last class Mm. and I asked someone in the class like one of my if if I've got friends there they're like did today feel okay and they're like yeah it was completely fine like chill out like chill the fuck out but it's just I get in my head sometimes a bit I think 
But also think not every class is meant to be the same, right? Like, I think it'll be really interesting from looking at your choreographies. Like, I got to a point when I started teaching, I needed a softer touch. So I would no longer do high impact energy songs. I needed to do like something like a ballad, like a semi-classical vibe for a long time, just to like challenge myself and also give people something different. So they missed it. So that when I did like the high impact, like let's say item song sort of thing, that <laughs> that was like one of their highlights in a while. Cause then people also become, I don't know, it becomes stagnant for a while. But what I'm really interested is in asking you this question, which is like, do you feel the pressure? Because I, in all of this time that I've done Bollywood dancing and been around the community, I know a lot of queer people obviously in the industry they're very prevalent but there hasn't been a class like this that has a consistency and a following of so yes people have done like workshops with organizations in name for charities and things like that but there hasn't been something like that so do you think that also adds an extra sort of plate for you to handle do you know what? i don't know because like when i hear you say that i'm kind of it's like a realization for me so, like, I don't even know if that's something that I'm, like, overly conscious of. And I feel like when you just said that now, I, I, inside, I'm like, there's, like, a lot of, like, oh, a joy there because it's like, wow, like, that's amazing that that's, that's the case. Because, like, I didn't even, I don't think I've even, like, thought about that that much, that, like, it's unique in that sense. So, I don't know. Like, I don't think that that adds pressure or anything. I mean, obviously, I want it to stay consistent and, like, I want it to, I want that following to stay and I want people to still keep coming. But, yeah, like, I don't think I've ever really thought about, like, the pressure of like being the only person sort of doing it like I I've not really like considered that I don't think yeah but I probably will now <laughs> I, I mean to also know like where you found the groove of like when I was teaching with you and we had like so many deep conversations where you were mm -hmm. freaking out and you were like we should have had this chat a long time ago and I, I went home that night and I reevaluated a lot and I was like after teaching it I so understood what you meant by a lot of things mm -hmm. and that <clears throat> it wasn't my place to do a lot of things like obviously coming from a lot of like dance background and dance being the premise of a dance class in the in the space from one class in being with you and then from like talking about it with people dance takes a second step in your dance classes queerness is at the forefront it's really hard to bottle that up and inscribe it unless you're in the space. And I'm intrigued to know like how you came up with the formula because obviously coming from a dance background, regardless <laughs> if you're trained or not, when you're teaching a dance class, imparting, like getting people to learn a routine or teach them the routine becomes the thing. But for being in the class, that is really secondary. I don't know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> that's actually a really good way of describing it though. And I feel like that's what I have to start learning to just say, I think, right? Before, and that's obviously why there was that little like gap in, in our understanding before the class. Cause I feel like I never actually specified that. And I do say Bolly Queer is a beginner's dance class. And like you said, you'd assume that a dance class primarily is like dancing is the focus and like learning how to dance is what you go to a dance class for, right? But like you said, like that's not my priority in, in the Bolly Queer classes for sure. Like we are there, we're there to learn. We're there to learn a dance routine. That's what I'm going to teach. But I say this at the beginning of every class, it's absolutely fine if you're doing a whole different dance to me the whole time. Like you can be doing your own thing. You can be taking my steps as inspiration and like I'm a guide, but I'm not going to be there to say you're doing it wrong. You know, I'll be there to say like, I'll say something like for anyone who wants to push themselves, you can extend that further rather than keeping it here. But mm -hmm. I won't ever be like, 
oh, I think you could do this. Because like you said, it's more about having a safe queer space. And like queerness is definitely at the front of it, but also like just joy and like feeling comfort and joy. Like that's what I want from the classes mainly. Which brings me to a question which I asked you. Do you find mm-hmm. that that was the the thing for you from the get-go or that's something that you had to learn? Because for me, it's really hard... <laughs> to detach myself when even if I'm teaching a foundation class and somebody's doing something else and me going over to them and being like no you like this is the step like it's different if I'm saying to them put this in your body and make this your own and they're doing something else but it's that it's completely something else when they're like I don't know how to describe it like they're really being joyful and queer in the moment it really was like I'll tell you this simple example there were four people Mm -hmm. in the back at one point just sitting down on the sofa Mm -hmm. and for me in my usual classes that would piss me off really that would piss me the fuck off like even if like I don't care that you have come and you're out of energy like if it is a medical thing I'll be like so take it into things like that but it was the fact that they were so happy and like boosting people up so comfortable and they would come in and sit down and things like that and I don't know there was something really about that space that didn't make me like pissed or angry or anything like that and I was like they're enjoying themselves they really <laughs> are enjoying themselves oh I love that I love that that there was like a takeaway though from from but that. it really is that like I like there's so many things that I learned in that moment about me like as facilitating which I don't know if I'm trying to this is what I'm trying to get out of you like if you yourself you get that or that has been your thing from gecko which is like let people be what they can be here's me as a facilitator and this is what I need to do which is what we had a conversation about there's a difference between a dance teacher and a facilitator yeah a lot of people in the Bollywood scene do not understand sometimes I feel like for me it was definitely a conscious thing because I was thinking right this is specifically for queer people right so first of all it's going to be a lot of people who may may or may not right but I guess for me like I was conscious of the fact that this is a lot of people who might be reconnecting with their culture that they might have previously been pushed away from. And, you know, they might already have that sort of anxiety, right? Of like, oh, what if I'm not doing as good? And what if my Bollywood, what if I've not got the rhythm of Bollywood? Because, you know, some people have, some feel like they have to choose their queerness over their South Asian-ness, right? And maybe therefore they've not heard any of the Bollywood songs that I'm teaching. They've not been to any weddings, Indian weddings. They've not got like rhythm and they want to literally learn from scratch because they want to, risk connecting with their culture again and seeing if it can align with their identity knowing that there could be people like that in the class I'm not ever going to say like you're not doing this properly or I expect this from you I'm never going to say that because it's like just you coming like and that's always the thing to celebrate at the class like I'll clap for anyone who's like just come just Mm. coming before we even start because I'm like well done for coming well done for coming to this space it's scary you're being visible in a queer space like that's you know takes a, a certain amount of like you have to be quite vulnerable to do that so it's like I just want it to feel as relaxed as possible to the point where it's like you can come and sit you can come and sit and dip in and out whenever you want and then also even more like practically like there are some people that genuinely need to do that and like need a break so there's that as well but you know I feel like that's just my approach and that's the way I've done it but there there might be people who have stopped coming because of that and because it's maybe too relaxed for some people maybe there are some people who also come and think like no, I want to learn how to dance and I want to improve as a dancer and I want to really like sharpen up and this class is a bit too slow paced for me or it's a bit too chill. So it might be the case that it's like just my style and like it it works for the people that come, but it definitely could also be not the right style for some other people. I don't know. 
So my next question is like, how do you then take what you've built and that it's growing and do you scope it out for what it's going to be? So in lim- simple terms is you've created Bollyqueer for two years, you've been doing the classes, mm-hmm. you have done an hour documentary and through that you're doing some stuff and you have started doing performances, so live work. Yeah. How do you fall into the culture that is the Bollywood companies then and do you start thinking about like how to escalate the business what sort of things you need to do in order to market and capitalize and make it beneficial for you as a person because this is your bread and butter as well as what you're let's say because all of the other companies are in a way because you've created this competitors for you as well at the same time yeah so yeah, do you have those thoughts and like, do you have a plan for all of those things? I'm actually like so happy that you asked that question because it's on my mind a lot, especially at the moment, because it's all fairly recent, like professional bookings are all fairly recent for Bolly Queer. I'm like still in the process of pulling it all down on paper and like thinking about it and getting it all out. What I would say like first, so obviously th- this is where things like, obviously it's like, you know, Bolly Queer is a beginner's class. It's not, Bolly Queer started off as a beginner's class. So first of all, it was beginners and it's, you know, like just about having having fun and like obviously everyone still learns dance and everyone still looks amazing and like comes out with something. But it's again, like I said, I'm not like critiquing or like giving improvement. So then I think one thing that I've had to think about is like for professional bookings, the fairest way for me to then like sort of get a group of dancers together who are like wanting to do professional performing um, and like interested in improving as well and like learning perhaps like faster paced choreographies or maybe even just like different styles of South Asian dance for performances and stuff like that. I did have to think like, how can I do that in a very way that feels comfortable for me personally and in a very bollywood comfortable way as well. Um, and I feel like that is similar to what the other companies yeah. do and it is through auditions, right? Cause like that's kind of the only way I would be able to sort of do that I think in the fairest way. So like, because I don't know how else I would go about doing that. I, I feel like you have an idea. So if you do, please tell I, me. I do. <laughs> you know, I always have an idea. <laughs> Interesting. Do you look at like all of the other companies and all of the other classes that are happening and then be like, how can I better? How can I challenge? How can I be different? How can I offer certain things? For sure. For sure. Like when I think about... So like, let's say I decided to do auditions. I know that my auditions are going to be run so differently to any of the auditions that I've seen. One, obviously that there's not going to be boy choreo, girl choreo, like that goes without saying, but also it's going to be very accessible. Well, as as accessible as I can make it, where it's not about like quizzing or testing people, but more just about like seeing potential in people. So like, I know that there are definitely things that I will be doing differently, but it's like, I think maybe my default is always to go to, oh, how did I, how have I experienced it? But maybe I should be more creative and think of like completely different ways to do things. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. And I learned about this, like whilst being in the business of Bollywood, there's there's ways of balancing creativity versus what is just required of you. And this happened when we were talking about your booking recently, which we were talking about like pay. Because sometimes Bollywood gigs will just be like, come and do a performance at our wedding. It's 80 pounds. We expect you to do this, this and this. And you're like, so you want me to come as a full production for the 80 pounds that you're offering? If you think about it, how do you feel like I am going to survive for the 80 pounds that you're paying? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes clients don't understand that, whether that's a corporate gig, whether that's a festival gig, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I get it for like a 10, 20 minute performance. You're paying us 80 quid and it might seem like a lot. But what you're asking of our worth is not a lot. 
like you're not gonna go to i don't know a wedding planner and be like hey i'm gonna pay you 300 pounds overall and i want yeah. you to make sure that i get married at disneyland <laughs> like so it's sometimes it's yeah. true. one of my friends actually made me think about this recently as well and was like because i'm trying to figure this all out right like i'm trying to figure out pricing and stuff like that and my friend actually like works in that like doing pricing for other companies and stuff like you tell me like how many hours you put into it so i was like okay so i did like a two-hour rehearsal um and then i edited the music and then on the day we'll be there for about an hour and then he was like okay so did you like go and buy costumes and i was like yeah and he was like how long did you spend like shopping for the costumes how long did you spend thinking about it how long did you spend stressing about it how long did you spend having to like research things for the performance fine and i was like it's actually a lot of hours that like i've committed to this gig the the pay then it really puts into perspective hourly like what you're getting paid and I feel like that one thing he said about how long do you spend thinking about it because if you didn't have that gig you'd, you'd be think you'd be enjoying other things right doing other stuff you wouldn't be thinking about that so you should even sort of consider that as like time you put into it no I agree and I that's why I think like worth is such a such a special thing let's talk about the do documentary and pivot a little bit interested to know how they approached you what was missed out that just didn't make the cut and then I have a really juicy question which I want to know. So yeah, firstly, how um, how did they approach you? I think it was actually Bolly. Bolly recommended me for it. I think someone reached out to Bolly and Bolly gave my name and then maybe um, a few of the names and then they messaged me. And I just got this message from this account on Instagram and it was in my third year of uni. I was sat at the library and someone just messaged like, hi, I work for this company. And you know, you get like casting people on Instagram and it looks like really not Dodgy. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is cap like this is fake news this is this is not real like someone's not interested in filming about me and south asianness and queerness by the way that's what it originally was like that's what that's what originally i was told like all, all i was told was that like it's about queerness and south asianness and i was like tick and tick like i do fit into both of those this could definitely be a good opportunity but I just couldn't believe that it was real. But I was like, let me just get on the phone and see what happens. And then we had a phone call and yeah, the person I was speaking to was like super lovely and was like, you know, we're just really interested in your story and we'd love to just have a chat with you in Manchester. And I was like, oh my God, am I going to go to Manchester to like meet this meet these people that I like have heard nothing about but I was like yeah I did like obviously a bit of research and I was like no this all looks legit and then yeah they did a bit of filming and they filmed like a five minute like teaser just of me like doing some dance and like talking about Bolly Queer and my journey and then they pitched it and then yeah it got commissioned by BBC3 and then I was like shit I think this is all real so I think I'm gonna be on telly and then and then it happened <laughs> What were the parameters that they set around? Like, obviously, the whole concept of it was like you setting up a class in Leicester. But was that even a part of a conversation where you were like, oh, I want to set up a class in Leicester. So that makes it goal, goal orientated. I think they, they kind of got to know me a bit and like know about my my plans and like my 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 thoughts on Bolly Queer generally. I think it came up that obviously I've got family in Leicester and I've got some family that I'm estranged from in Leicester as well. And like, we just got to talk more about it. And then I think the idea sort of came about, like, you know, I was sort of talking, thinking out loud that like, that's why I've set up Bolly Queer in London and, you know, I wouldn't really take it to Leicester, but it is something that I'd like to try one day. That's when then the idea came about, of, like, maybe that's what we can focus on then. Like, that can be the journey that we follow is you trying to do that, um, if it's something you want to do. And I was like, it definitely is something I want to do. And if I'm going to do it, it'd be nice to like have a, you know, community of like, even the people that were filming, just doing it with me, have made me feel a lot more comfortable doing it. And I was like, yeah, no, I want to do it. It's always something that I've wanted to do, right? I mean, because the long-term goal for me is to do it everywhere. 
every time I go on holiday, I end up doing a class and it's never in the plan, but I'm like really keen to just try it everywhere I go and like spread the like the joy wherever I can, right? If if possible. So like I did one in India. Yeah, I did one in India. And again, like that wasn't part of the plan. It was like I was there for a wedding and like and I was just there like for a bit of a holiday as well. And then there's something like itching me, like just do it, like just put a poster out and see if anyone's interested. And I'll never book a studio. What I'll do first is just put a post out and see if anyone's in the area is interested. But then I was thinking like, yeah, like why have I not done this in Leicester? And I go back to Leicester all the time. The reason why I'm not, you know, the reason why I never really used to go back to Leicester that much was because I didn't have Quinness there. I didn't have Bollipa there. By that point, I hadn't even had the right conversations with my family to feel fully accepted then. So I was kind of just living in this bubble in London. That's where I thought my like queer happiness lied. So I feel like, yeah, taking Bolly Queer to Leicester was definitely something I wanted to do. And it was kind of nice to, yeah, like get it all, like to, to even for me to just be able to watch back that journey because it was quite emotional. Yeah, you cry a lot. I cry so, I didn't realise. I know you now, you don't cry that much. <laughs> but that experience brought out a lot of emotions in me that I, I didn't even think I would cry that much because I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm a crier. No, it's you're a... not. Knowing you and the people that I know around you, I don't think they've ever said that you're a crier. But in that documentary, oh. bloody hell. Because things were just setting me. First of all, I'll be honest, We, I was going to India right after filming and it meant that we had to get all the filming done like, yeah. in a short space of time. How long was the filming time? Like, What was your time period? I'd say it was about three months of filming. Got it. Okay, cool. Three months of filming almost every day, I'd say. I was tired. I was definitely tired. Like, we were all tired. And I was tired because, obviously, like, we're filming, but also tired because I'm taking Bollywood to Leicester, which on its own was, like, emotionally fatiguing. Also, I was doing a lot of talking, which was great. Like, I don't mind it, but, like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, you get tired of it. I think I was just tired, but also, like, I was, I was just getting emotional at things that I thought didn't really bother me, but, like, clearly they did. So it wasn't fake is what we're getting at. No, oh my god, did it seem fake? <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm just playing it like... <laughs> no, oh my god, it, I, I wish it was, honestly, but it wasn't. It was it was real, and that was annoying, because it meant that I had to explore those things of, like, thinking, like, why did I get upset at that? Does that mean there's something that I've not really, like, worked on yet? But, yeah, it was... It got, I got emotional at silly things sometimes. <laughs> honestly, like, I just stopped crying. So, wait, before we get into other conversations around the documentary, what didn't make the cut then? Are there more tears? Uh, probably. Honestly. Give me three, give me three things that you would have loved that, or like that stand out to you, but just didn't make the cut. I think it was hard because obviously three months of filming. is a long time into a 45 minute. So much footage to get into a 45 minute documentary. And I think, yeah, one of them was a performance at um, Urban World. It was really, really fun and we had a great time. But I think that there was obviously the performance in Manchester as well. So like, I don't know if that was why, like they weren't able to put too much in. And then also like, you know, like music issues and stuff, like certain things just couldn't get in there. Yeah. Also, can I just put out there? Cause I feel like this is so important for me to just put into the record, into the sphere. But I don't like do the edit and I have no control over the edit. <laughs> what, so there are people who are messaging you who have been like, why don't I make the edit? No one's ever like said it to me, but there's definitely people that I can feel have that sort of feeling. And I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, how am I supposed to know? I think you should go back and you should ask for certain things. And then you can just be like, oh, one year on, this didn't make the edit, but I just wanted to show this. That's a good idea. Yeah, because, you know, there were some really, there were other things that didn't make it. And like, just so much fun conversation. And like, yeah, I mean, there was actually a lot of FaceTimes with my sister. But my sister lives like not near 
near me. She lives quite far. So she wasn't able to come back because she works full time as well. So there were some FaceTimes with her that were filmed, but that didn't make it. And I think that, yeah, like that's one thing that I think, you know, there was some really nice convos. But again, it was just difficult to fit everything in. I'm glad that a lot of my conversations with like really good friends were in there as well, like with Aaron and Kush. I don't know if you like remember bits from the documentary, but there were some like nice conversations in there. And I feel like it must be so hard to choose out of all of that stuff what to put in. Yeah. I also think like story-wise, it has to make sense, right? So like, for example, if you're building this whole thing where you're talking about your family, you're talking about queerness, you're talking about setting up the class and then certainly offshoot to like other conversations in a 45-minute documentary where you have to tell a clear, concise... Also, BBC itself has certain things around storytelling which it has to fit in within their parameters so like yeah I really think you should reach out to the production company and just be like hey I just wanted to celebrate the documentary it reaches a milestone and things like that and I just wanted to reflect and I was wondering this is the list of things that really stood out to me during the experience and I was wondering if I could have the unedited version and I just wanted to share it on socials and it doesn't have to be like a thing about where it didn't get, you know, like it's not properly edited to BBC. It can just be things about that were missed out. But I really want to highlight the journey that. Um, no, that's a really on. good thought. And I don't know why I kind of didn't think that I could do that. But that's good to know that I can. So I, I probably will. And that brings it back to like where you're at right now and like the things that it did. But to a question which I would like to ask you, if you were to do part two of it today, mm. what sort of reflections and things you feel like you would want to add to it? And how sort of, in what sort of headspace do you feel like you'd be today at if you went back to that whole process? I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable now in like with... I think I, at the beginning, I was so awkward, like having a camera in front of me and like just that general like shyness and like just feeling a bit intimidated, like just by, but you know what I mean? Because like, just naturally like, I wasn't used to that. So I think like if I was to do it again, I feel like I'd maybe just be a bit more chill about it all and like hopefully cry less. No, we need more tears. We need CGI tears this time around. CGI tears, stop it. I don't know. What would part two even be about? I feel like I do always think that like, because also some people have, some people who have seen it have messaged me and said like, how do we watch the next episode? And I'm yes, like, because it says episode one, yeah. which is what short documentaries are like, how they are programmed on. Yeah, and it's it, but that for me is like okay, like someone actually is interested in like part two of this, like they they want to see more. And I feel like there definitely is so much more now than like taking Bollywood to Leicester was a huge milestone for me. But like since then, it's I've done it in India, I've done it in LA, and I'm like doing it in Bradford at the end of the month as well. So I feel like maybe people would be interested in seeing that. I don't know, but also I think another key like milestone is like the the navigation of like turning into like a company and like doing pro gigs that's all very interesting to me I don't know if that's like television worthy but like for me it's quite interesting no I think it is even if like <laughs> you got like things out of it like the, like how I said first dance and then it being about like a lesbian or a gay or a bi or trans or like you know all of the plus of the communities or like queer like a wedding on that and like I don't know there's something and that attaches their line to it as well for sure yeah I think that'd be really interesting or like doing it at pride festival do you know what I mean yeah 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 I think that would be great and I feel like another thing as well that I kind of forgot to mention earlier you know when you said like what are you going to do about like this step to like doing performances and stuff and you said like the other companies are competitors obviously still in its own way like very different in that it won't ever be like if I get asked to do a gig and someone says I want two boys and two girls I'm immediately going to be like okay but we have some people like it's going to be very much like the client has to understand what Bollyqueer is about 
and like the briefing that I give to like you know like how we had like a chat about like the class and stuff and like that's also happening with clients too where I'm like when you gender neutral changing facilities you know there'll be your perception of a man and woman like you need to park that or whatever because if you want Bollywood to perform like it's going to be on our terms and it's going to still have like that queerness and that's never going to be compromised like if someone says to me I want a boy and a girl I'm gonna be like okay but we have dancers beyond that binary saying you're not going to book them because you that's your vision yeah and if that is the vision that is absolutely fine then like but that's why I'd be like the other companies are there do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's still right. And also, like, the performance is the product of what you're selling. So, at the end of the day, I don't know, like, if you have boys dancing together or girls dancing together, non binary people dancing, and like all of those things, like, those factor in as well. The cl- costume factors in as well. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It has to be on your terms. I'll be, I said this in the class as well. I was like, I'll be really intrigued how it progresses because the space is so much populated with a female heavy classes. Mm. in the Bollywood scene especially in central London and B they're very much tailored (laughs) to a heteronormative sort of construct of what dancing is meant to be and yes even though (laughs) queer people teach it and yes I teach it there's nothing wrong with that but it'll be very interesting to to populate this brand this into lots of little things and for it to be just B and not for it to be just like Bolly queer does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, like, I mean, how amazing would that be? And like, how amazing would it be if other companies sort of started like noticing things and like maybe adapting similar approach? Like, that's what would be really cool, I think. Also, be pissed at that. I'll be like, no, no. Take <laughs> to your USP. Stop trying to copy it. <laughs> but like, I'm happy to have those conversations. If any, if anyone wants to come to me and say like, what do you think I can do to make my Bollywood company more inclusive? I am here for that. Like, I'm so here for that, and to tell you how because then I can come and I can enjoy it more as well myself. you know what I mean so it's like just little little things I feel like and I know it's difficult and I I do understand that there are like concerns of like the clients ask for this the client wants this like and that's the business but like I'm learning now that clients are happy like even for non-queer gigs no client is saying your girls need to wear skirts and your boys need to wear trousers no one's ever said that to me clients haven't said that I mean that's just my experience so far right maybe I'll encounter that soon but like we've had bookings for like park events family events events with kids and they're like no we want bolly queer to come and teach a workshop and as bolly queer i think they know that they couldn't really ever say to me like your boys need to wear trousers and the girls are just like, like think you just know right based off what our whole brand is but oh. like if they ever did say that it would be like a no from our end like well no like that's <laughs> that's not happening i feel like other companies i don't know like i don't know do you think that there could be a step towards that level of what <laughs> I'm like you're asking me it's yeah I kind of no, I'm actually really interested though like do you think other companies will ever be able to reach that level of like LGBT inclusion yes for a monetary and a business reason not for an ethical reason the mm. the current companies and each one of them I know extremely very well mm. and I'll probably edit this out let's <laughs> yeah. I, I might keep it I don't know um but yeah lots of companies that are, like you and I both know no they won't unless it's for a business or monetary some sort of reason or a movement reason it, it that's not their ethos that's that's not how they work and I've been in rooms with them where they've had meetings with like producers or clients and how they even are programmed to sell that's not even a thought in their head unless it becomes a certain thing okay yeah, yeah. makes sense which is sad because like I don't I don't know you're also like I personally hate 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 Bollywood costumes for boys I fucking hate oh my god yeah they're they're always so bad 
fucking hate the shit out of it. I don't understand why we need a deep V. <laughs> I don't understand why we need to show our arms. I don't understand why we all need to have those like Aladdin pants, like genie pants, harem pants. That's the standard same like, thing produced Or like why we need to have like a specific show of like shalwar kameez with a waistcoat. It's heinous. It's disgusting. I get it. It's beautiful in certain things. And I wear shalwar kameezes and I wear like kurtas and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. But like <laughs> so much creativity like even with shirvanis there's so much that people could be pushing like with girls as well with girls costume it always needs to be like a lenga they always need to show their midriffs and the girls are always hella uncomfortable with showing their midriffs and then the blouses are like either too big too small tacky as fuck need to like there's there's the not thing. there's a lot of shit that i just i don't like yeah i fully agree with that and i feel like it's been really interesting to think about because i've never really been in that position of having to choose costumes until now right until the bolly queer bookings have come through so like me having to like curate costumes for dancers and also wanting to still be obviously like inclusive and not put anyone in any box like I've been sort of thinking like how do I design costumes how do I navigate that because I guess I think it's fair for a client to want a theme of costume and be like there needs to be some matching elements or like there needs to be some level of like we look like a group without compromising our values and being like boys are all wearing the same thing girls are all wearing the same thing so like what I, what I kind of did was like I gave all of the dancers for that gig, like I did a poll and I was like, you can wear like a top and trousers, a top and a skirt, blouse and trousers or a blouse and a skirt, a blouse, and like that give everyone like a mix, so like a mix and match every single combination. Every dancer picked their combination. And it was like, it was interesting because it was like, it wasn't like some people were like, I want a blouse and a skirt. And some people were like, I want a kurta and trousers. Some people wanted a kurta and a skirt. Some people wanted a blouse and trousers. And it was like, even like top half and bottom half was like mixed in terms of the stereotypical sure, gender. Sure, yeah, agreed. Because costumes can be so like different and they should be different. And then just with that, all I needed was that knowledge to then go and order everyone gold top half, everyone blue and pink bottom half. And you still have a solid dance team. Still, everyone looks amazing. Client is still happy. And also all of the dancers feel comfortable too because they're in, they're wearing what they're comfortable in and they're, they're feeling euphoria with their gender identity as well. Yeah, no, I so agree with you. I think it's the dance. <laughs> I think it's really is like the Bollywood dance industry and like things like that. Like there's certain things that people work with and that is what it is. And unless it becomes like a trend or things like that, people really don't want to change it. And the answer that I have always gotten is, well, it works and I have a business and I'm making money. So like, what, like, yeah, why? Why do I need to change it? If that is what the... And it just, it's sad. It really is. That's such a shame because it's like there's room for everyone to like grow and learn. Yeah, there will be. Again, when there's a movement about it. And like people don't want to be the movement because they're scared of getting cancelled or not getting enough work or I don't know, being whatever. So unless it becomes a thing thing it, it, it just isn't well everyone that brings us to the end of the episode i hope you enjoyed part one of my two-parted episode i will be uploading part two very soon so make sure to keep an eye out for that if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode don't forget to rate and comment on whichever platform you're listening this episode on you can also now become a patron and a supporter of the show by subscribing for as small as five pounds or as i love saying five dollars and 50 cent on patreon i will put all of the information of the artist and links in the description of the episode make sure to check that out but as of now i will leave you as i always do which is breathe in breathe out now must go which means now i must go that is copyrighted and i will sue until next time stay curious